Welcome to season three of the Lifestyle Chase, and I'm your host, Chris Little. This podcast features high performers who have found a way to live their best life while balancing their health, wellness, friends, and family. To help this podcast grow, please share it on social media, rate five stars, tell your friends, and check out the past 140 episodes and counting. You can follow me on Instagram at Christian Little and at The Lifestyle Chase. Thanks for listening. Let's get started. All right, so welcome to The Lifestyle Chase. I am joined by return guest Jordan Syatt. If you don't know much about him, I'm going to highly recommend you go check out episode 70 of the show. Um, It was on October 4th, 2019. A lot of stuff has happened in between these time periods. Um, But just to kind of like break the ice here, Jordan, how are you doing today? Like honest answer, like how, how has your day been going? No complaints. Everything's going well. I'm actually, I'm getting married next week. So a little bit hectic getting, uh, getting all the plans ready. And I'm looking out my window right now and there is a hawk or an eagle or something. Just, it is just soaring without flapping its wings, but it's not, it's not flying straight. It's literally just moving up and its wings are just not, it's, it always amazes me how long these birds can can fly without even flapping their wings. So I was just watching that and I'm super ADD. Apologize for that. But overall, everything is great. No complaints, brother. Awesome. Awesome. It is cool. It's like a nice little segue because like a year ago, you wouldn't have that view out your window. Hey, like <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> and I, I think that's been something that's really inspired me as a fitness professional is to see you like we're, we're similar in age. I think you might be a bit older than me. I'm like 29 born February 92. Um, okay. And just like the the actual real life aspect relating to people on like a real life outside of the industry aspect. Um, I, lo- I love that you uh, re reset up yourself, like put yourself in an environment that was just good for you, like on a mm. holistic level. Um, what kind of inspired that move? Like, I know it didn't go quite according to plan, but like what, what kind of spurred you to like just get out of New York kind of thing? Yeah. So, I had never planned to be in New York for as long as I was there. So I originally moved there in 2016 to coach Gary Vaynerchuk, and that was a three-year deal. So the initial deal was three years, seven days a week, every single day I would coach him. And I was very excited about it, and I loved it. It was an amazing experience. But in order for me to go to New York to coach Gary, I had to leave Israel. And Israel was like my favorite. It is my favorite place in the world. Like I eventually want to live there full time. But it was very difficult for me to leave Israel to go coach Gary. And I, in my mind, I was like, okay, I'm starting coaching Gary June 1, 2016. And the deal goes until June 1, 2019. So in my mind, June 1, 2019, after I coached Gary for my last session, I was flying back to Israel. That was my mindset for a long time. But then I met my now fiance, soon be wife, and you know, plans change and she moved to New York. And so we stayed in New York for an extra two years after I stopped coaching Gary. And and we loved it there. But then with with the pandemic and everything going on and New York completely shutting down and, and spending so much money to be there and they're like the amount of space that you have for the amount of money you're spending is just it's super difficult. Um I'd say it, it can be difficult at the best of times, never mind when you're required to stay in your apartment all day, every day, and your apartment is is the size of a thumbtack. So basically we 
thought we were going to move to Israel. We were both, we both wanted to move to Israel, but with the pandemic and everything, it became very difficult to move there. The borders were closed uh, and they actually have a massive wait list, like a huge, huge wait list. And so we decided, you know what? We want to get out of New York. That is for sure. And we had in our sites, uh, Dallas, Texas, uh, Denver, Colorado, and Nashville, Tennessee were three places we would both love to go sort of in the uh, interim before we go to Israel. And we were literally having a glass of wine one night and an ad popped up for a, a wonderful location in Dallas, Texas. And we literally signed the signed the lease site unseen. We were just like, you know what, let's do it. Why not? Signed it, came over, and we absolutely love it. Well, I mean, just like kind of watching the change, it was kind of funny how much suspense there was, like seeing the buildup and just watching people on social media just kind of guess where it was. Like even myself, <laughs> I, I was like, I wonder where he's going to end up because like, because of the timing of when we were like booking this show, I was like, okay, he's moving. I bet you anything, the time zone's gonna have to change. And then like it, like it did. We we changed up the uh, the timing of the show, and it was like predictable because when you change your environment, a lot of the things that you do within that environment have to change as well. Yeah. Um, what were some of the positives? Like once once you got settled down to your new home, what were the parts of your day that uh, were new that uh, you really liked? You know, so it was interesting. I I love every aspect of it. Like, I, there is not one thing I don't like about it. And it, the whole reason, one of the major reasons we decided to move was because in New York, it's very easy to work all day, every day, from wake up until you go to bed, you get terrible sleep, you don't prioritize your health. And I'm talking from personal experience, but that's like what New York is known for. New York is known for the grind and the hustle. And when you're young and you're going, you just, you go nonstop. And that I, that's why I loved it, but it's also why I had to leave because I realized I couldn't sustain that forever and it was going to kill me. So moving to here was a deliberate choice because I wanted to slow down. I wanted to focus more on my relationship. I wanted to focus more on my own health and fitness and sleep and, and happiness and things outside of work. Uh, so it's been incredible just from that perspective, making, I, I don't think there's been a single night where I've slept less than seven hours and that's on the low end. Um, I'm doing jujitsu every single day. I found an amazing academy that I train at. I'm my strength training is on point, like it hasn't been in five years. Um, it's I'm just I'm really having an opportunity to to invest in myself and my own personal health and well-being, mental health, emotional health, physical health in a way that I haven't prioritized in the last five years. Uh, I will say the hardest part the first two weeks was getting used to the the slower pace of life, which, you know, any, you go anywhere outside of New York city, everything seems slower, but then, you know, Texas, Dallas, Texas, it's significantly slower. For example, I mean, in New York, if someone says we're going to meet at noon at the very latest, you better be there at noon. Cause like the meeting starts right then. And here sometimes people are like, yeah, you know, we'll get together. We'll meet, we'll meet at noon. And then like 1225 shows up and they're like, all right, I'm about 10 minutes out. I'm like, what? <laughs> You're like 30 minutes late. What's going on? And it, it, I've realized that you just, it's part of life and it's like expected and it's, that's just what happened. So it was a difficult transition, but it's something I've actually started to, to enjoy a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because like, especially within this industry, we kind of get caught within like what we deem to be normal. So people who like feel like it's normal to be working like 10 hours of the day, like day in, day out, uh, Saturdays, Sundays, just because they think that that's like what you do to be a human kind of thing. Mm. 
Um, and I have no doubt that you've kind of been in the trenches having like just run yourself into a wall, whether it be your content production or um, just working with people in person. What are generally your like um, measures? Like who keeps you in check? Check who who can call you out, and you'll actually like listen to them when they're saying like, "Dude, you need to dial it back." Like even if you have to make less money, you need to to slow down. It's a great question, and there I've had many mentors in my life, and I have I have many people who I can go to for if I need if I need a reality check. I will say though, when it comes to this specifically, there was no one, it was me. Um, there was no one who's been telling me I need to slow down. There's no one who's been like nobody that, that was all knowing myself. Um, I honestly, I think one of the biggest ones, if I, if I'm fully honest, I think the biggest one was when I saw my blood pressure when I started keeping track of my blood pressure and my blood pressure was high and I'm like, I'm a fitness professional. I have a relatively, I'm a healthy body weight, healthy body fat percentage. Like I'm a strong guy. And I saw my blood pressure was high and I was like, Oh my God. And, and when the more I started digging into blood, blood pressure and realizing that it's the silent killer. And so many people die from high blood pressure without knowing it every year, regardless of age, you got people in their twenties and thirties and forties, just dropping dead out of nowhere. They had no idea they had high blood pressure. I was like, Oh my God, I've got to fix this immediately. I, if I had to pinpoint something that would have been it. And that's when I, I made the decision. I was going to make, start getting more sleep. I was going to start doing more cardio. I'm sure you've seen me pushing cardio more frequently over the years or the last couple of years now, um, because that was my biggest wake up call and, you know, paid much more attention to my health started going, you know, when I was coaching Gary and when I was younger before that, I would never go to the doctor. I would never get my checkups, which I think is, is relatively common, especially like young men. If you look at behavioral patterns, young men, they often don't go to the men, regardless of age, oftentimes don't go to the doctor, don't get checkups, don't get their blood work done. Um, but I remember I was speaking to a nurse, her name is nurse Kate Johnson. And we, uh, she was telling me about the importance of blood pressure. So I ordered a blood pressure monitor off of Amazon for like 25 bucks and I met, and it was high. And I was like, what the hell? And that was really what got me in check with everything. Got me to back on track with my nutrition and exercise and sleep and all of it. Definitely. Oh, I mean, that's an important takeaway because like, that's something I've noticed myself, like in, in points in my career that were the most highest stress, I'd go into the grocery store, I'd use like the, the blood pressure monitor there by the pharmacy mm -hmm. and just be absolutely humbled. And it forced me to kind of like sit back and really assess like my day. Like sometimes we're busying ourselves with things that just don't even matter. Um, mm -hmm. And social media being like a key one. I know that uh, because as I was awaiting today, I uh, listened to your appearances on a few other shows and social media has been like a very like common topic. And for me, it's like we can tell people to get off their phone. But what if we talked about what they could do instead of being on their phone or mm. what they could do to build career capital that is outside of the um it's such a, like it, you're funneled into staying on your social media app. And so that is something that we know, no matter like who we are, or how many followers we have, we know that it's an advertising machine and that the more we stay on the, the social media, the more advertising gets made. But at the same time, we're looking to build uh, career capital. And just based on that, what would be 
your biggest pieces of advice? Because like for just for context, I've gone back and seen some of your earlier YouTube videos. I know that you've had to grind it out just like anybody else. Um, so take it away. Just what's your thoughts on career capital? What specifically in regard to career capital? Um, I guess I'll narrow it down just to um, you got started on a few things. You weren't doing everything. There's reasons why you chose some things and not other. And in the midst of getting started, let's say videos, um, you must have had some points where you're like, what, what's the point of doing this? Like what, what drew you in to keep going with it? What inspired you to know which area was your area? Um, just mm -hmm. kind of along those lines. Yeah, so there's a lot. There are many things to discuss here. And I think the, the most important is we have to go back to the root, root of it all, which is really important. This is, this is a very common and overlooked thing. It's different nowadays because nowadays, most people who are getting into the fitness industry or any industry, they go into it expecting to make money from whatever it is they're doing online, right? So they start doing something. Often they start making content, whether it's a podcast, whether it's YouTube videos, whether it's Instagram posts, whether it's uh, website articles, whatever it is, they start it with the deliberate intent to get rich from that. That's what they're starting it for. And I'm, I'm not going to say there's something inherently wrong with that, but I will say if that is your, your primary focus when you just start out, you are setting yourself up for a much more difficult path because you won't start thinking you're being successful until you start making what you consider to be a lot of money. And there is a big jump from when you first start to when you first start making money and an equally big, if not more big jump from when you first start making money to actually making a lot of money. And I think a lot of people quit not because it's not working, but because they're not making as much money as they wanted to quickly enough so they quit. Same thing with weight loss, right? Someone has a hundred pounds to lose and they just start thinking about losing that hundred pounds, but they don't start thinking about losing the first five, right? It's like, there's a lot of pounds between that first one and the last, and the last one, if there's a hundred pounds to lose, instead of thinking about the pound 95, 96, 97, let's think about pound one, pound two, pound three. And so when I first started my business, I was very lucky because I started it in July of 2011. So just about just over 10 years ago, online coaching wasn't a thing. Online fitness, it like there were a couple of people doing it, but Instagram didn't even exist. I didn't know it was possible to make money online. So I had an advantage built in because I, when I was posting and doing all this stuff, my, my goal was simply to help people. And my, my version of getting paid was someone liking my post, one person, someone reaching out and saying, hey, I saw that post. Could you explain more? Someone like someone sending me a DM or leaving a comment on the post. One like was enough for me to like, okay, this is working. I just needed one, right? You even said before we hopped on, you were going to do this on Instagram live and maybe only three people will watch. I laughed because when I first started, so I had posts that got zero likes, zero, any, no one was watching. Never mind. And you said three, like it's not a lot. And it might not be a lot relative to other people, but I started with less, right? We all start with a zero. So my inherent advantage was not knowing what was possible because markers of success came so much more easily and quickly and it kept me going. So if I'm talking about, you know, 
why I chose certain things. I mean, I first started doing website articles because that's what everyone did at that time. That's that's all I knew. Instagram didn't exist. So I just was posting website articles because that's who the people I admired. That's what they were doing. Um, and then I saw other people that I admired doing YouTube videos. So I started doing that and they were terrible. You can go watch my old YouTube videos. They were awful. I was super nervous. They were terrible quality. But you know, so one person would be like, oh, that was super helpful. That, that tip helped a lot. Great, done. And then years, literal years after that, then I started to make money. Then I started to build a career out of it. But if I started from the very beginning thinking, hey, I want to make a lot of money from this, I guarantee I would have failed, which is why I'm very lucky I started when I did. Because if I had started two, three, four, five years later, knowing that building an online business was possible, I think I would have failed because I don't think I would have been as consistent. That's interesting because like I... For me, looking from the outside in, just seeing how many different things that you've done and like outside of the media space, like you've interned at facilities, like you put in the work, you got a lot of skin in the game. You've actually done like practical offline things to give you credibility that a lot of people don't have. Um, but it's just like I've seen you present resilience in many, many forms. So like, I don't know, I, I would bet on you sticking with it, even if you saw it from like the perspective of like five years later starting versus when, when you actually started, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, listen, I'm not going to argue with you. I, I, I hope that's what I would do. Um, but the reason I say that is just because I've seen so many coaches who have so much potential and could, and could really help so many people could really blow up online and, and help thousands and thousands of people. And even if they don't go viral, they could still build a trim. You don't need that many followers to build a very successful online coaching business. Like a lot of people, Oh, I've only got like a thousand followers. It's like only a thousand followers. Are you out of your mind? Like there's no way you could work with a thousand people one-on-one. -on -one. I mean, you got plenty of people there. Like if you got 40 people paying you $200 a month, you're making six figures. That's a wonderful income. It's like the top 99% of the entire world. You can provide for your family. You can help many people. Like You don't need to go viral and be have millions of followers to be successful. In fact, I think after a certain point, people's quality of life starts to go down, especially as like they get more and more and more followers. Either way, I've seen a lot of coaches who could have done amazing things and built really successful businesses and helped a lot of people quit simply because they weren't making money quickly enough, which is ironically the same thing that I see in fitness. People quit because they didn't think they were losing weight quickly enough when the reality is that they just kept going, it would have worked. Well, I mean, you're totally right with that. And like the, the thing that I think of often, because like I, I am obsessed with this podcast, this podcast is my child. And so like, because of that passion, a lot of people ask me how to start a podcast. And like during the pandemic, I think I started, I helped or had a role in about 15 new podcasts starting, whether it be fitness industry or not. That's and awesome. it was just like, uh, the things that I would go over with people were like, how are you going to still be interested in this if you feel like you're failing? Like, how are you mm -hmm. going to make this still like a meaningful part of what you do when you don't get what you're expecting to get? Because like for me, I mean, like, I didn't have high expectations when I started the show because it meant more to me to have these genuine conversations. So I was like, mm -hmm. I hope somebody listens, but I don't expect a whole bunch of people to. And like from, from that point to the point where I charted, um, the things that kept me at it were just knowing that like, I was doing this for me first and foremost. Like this is what affords me the ability to actually have like a live conversation with you. Like this, 
this gives me opportunities that are worthwhile to put in like the, the 20, 30 hours a week that sometimes it turns into. Sometimes it's like a part-time job unpaid, but it's, it's so worthwhile. And so I looked at that from like a podcasting perspective and, and relay that to people wanting to get started into podcasts. And then I look at that from like a training perspective and I, I see like the example you set with people that you work with making it into like a lifestyle and not like hard set rules. Like we can talk mm. about um, the different challenges you've done in the past um, to kind of make it a bit more personable, make it not such a daunting thing. And just like, yeah, you can totally eat McDonald's and still be into fitness. Like it, it's not a big deal. Like what first got you making things so personal? Was it just from your own experience, how you would want to be treated in fitness or was it a client interaction that kind of gave you like a, a turning point? So how did I start making my content more personal? Yeah, essentially just like, I guess identifying to the average fitness enthusiast rather than focusing on like having people adhere to different systems or certain ways or certain like nutrition and, and like getting into those echo chambers. I think it was just experience. I, I think, it, I mean, if you look back at my earlier content, 2011, 2012, 2013, you'll probably see more, um, a little bit more dogmatic way of thinking. You'll probably see more, um, more general guidelines as opposed to making it to the individual. Um, and the more, you know, I've coached thousands of people at this point, whether it's individually one-on-one -on -one, all the way up to thousands of people in a, in a membership in a group. But I mean, I've coached literally thousands of people. And I just think that experience, I, I don't see how anyone could coach that many people and not realize that everyone is different. Right. And now there's, there's two sides to the coin, right? Because on one hand, when you coach that many people, you realize everybody's different, but you also realize there are very common patterns and trends that the vast majority of people follow. And so what you realize from coaching that many people and what you learn is, okay, everyone is different and everyone there's what really varies for each person is oftentimes their why, right? Like what really varies is like that person's individual why. Now there are a fistful of common whys, whether it's, you know, being alive for your child's wedding, whether it's, you know, being able to play with your grandchildren, whether it's being able to support your family, what there, uh, there's a handful of common whys, but each why is individual to each person and to their own history and their own life. Um, what's very individual is is the what right so what specifically are you going to do um someone could count calories someone else could not count calories someone could uh like the number of calories that they're going to be eating is obviously going to be different based on the person you you get these small individual variances but then the the generalities the common behaviors of that are that are across the board very common are what people struggle with right so overeating that's just across the board, a very common struggle, regardless of the individual, most people struggle or anyone who's overweight struggles with overeating period. Um, lack of sleep, high stress, the exact specifics of the lack of sleep, the exact specifics of the chronically high stress, the exact specifics of why someone might not be exercising those change, but the behaviors 
all are so, so, so common and, and across the board, more or less the same. So it's interesting as you coach people, you learn everyone's an individual and everyone has different needs, but uh, they are also more similar than they are different. So you, you get, you get nuance. Like it, it's nothing is so black and white. It's funny because on one hand, everyone is very different. On the other hand, everyone is very much very similar. Definitely. Well, I mean, I see what you're saying there and like, I, I tend to agree. Like I, for, from my standpoint, I'm someone who gained a whole bunch of life experience outside the fitness industry and then switched careers, jumped into the fitness industry and realized how valuable that life experience was in just like in-person interactions. Like, um, basically like if, if you've ever had to manage staff or if you've ever worked at a bar or if you've ever had to do like marketing, like actual guerrilla out in public marketing, um, you learn how like the words you use matter, your tone matters. You got to have a personality. You have to give a shit about the people that you're working with all outside of like what kind of like a pre-screen that you use, et cetera. And then even just like the volume of people that you worked with is always going to set you apart. And so like mm-hmm. a person wanting to be better, just work with more people. Like that's, I, I never downplay that. I'm like, if I could just work with more people, I would probably progress. And it's just a matter of showing the patience that it takes to work with more people. Similar to podcasts, just record more podcasts, get better at podcasts kind of thing. That's exact. You couldn't, couldn't agree more. Exactly right. Something that uh, I, I checked this out yesterday and I thought it was so cool because you you guessed it on your brother's podcast. So I really dove down the rabbit hole in the research and like I'll explain what I thought was really cool about that because it's so relatable for a lot of uh, trainers out there. The feeling that we, maybe not everybody gets this feeling, but I get this feeling when I'm working with somebody that's been a part of my life and they're having that light bulb moment. They're seeing like the value of just when he talked about calories and food and he was able to just like nail off how many calories were in like dishes that he was making. It was that aha moment that I think made every trainer that would listen to it feel a win. Mm -hmm. And I can only imagine how much it might've felt like that day was maybe never going to happen. And then it did. And just to be able to, for me to hear it as like uh, a peer kind of thing and be like, I understand how that must've felt was pretty cool. Um, what, what has it been like for you to, to kind of see that for, from, from your own perspective? From with my brother specifically? Yeah, or just like in any example of like family kind of having buy-in towards fitness kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, well, so for with my brother specifically, I mean, it's, uh, it's a really, it's an interesting, I was about to say unique, and I changed that because it's not, it's not wholly unique it's unique in that it's my brother, right? But it's not unique in that this is a very common situation. I get asked this question all the time. I have entire podcasts on this, on this with people saying, Hey, like I'm in the fitness industry or I'm really into health, but my brother, my sister, my husband, my wife, my whoever is very unhealthy. And they know that they're unhealthy and they know that they need to lose weight. They know they need to get their exercise and check, but they're not doing it. How can I help them do it? And it is a very difficult, it's not even just a difficult conversation. It's a difficult, difficult situation. Um, the situation my, with my brother was complicated even more because we didn't speak for about a decade. Like we didn't have a, a relationship and there's a lot of history behind that. 
Um, and I, I think my brother would agree that one of the reasons that he didn't reach out sooner is because there was a lot of animosity between us, not because he didn't know I could help, but because it was like, I don't want to reach out to him. So that created another layer of, well, screw that guy. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to go to him anyway. Um, I, I thank God that finally, like, <laughs> basically the, the animosity between us was more one way than two. And he knew that if he ever wanted to have a relationship with me, all he had to do was return a call or make a call and I'd be there. I like, and I made it super clear. I was like, listen, however you feel, understand if you don't want to talk great i'm always here no matter what and i thank god that finally he got to a point in which he he made the call and he was like hey i need some help and then our relationship's been the best it's been since we were probably in preschool um and it's been wonderful it's been wonderful reconnecting and watching him succeed and watching his confidence grow and and seeing like him succeed in this way and seeing how it is impacting so many other areas of his life it's really a blessing to be able to watch that the hard part if i expand this to other people's situations or even looking at my situation prior to this to this year, is sometimes they it's up to them, it's up to them, and that's the hard part. Um, there's a strong chance that like, he could have never come to me, right? It was ten. I mean, ten years we didn't talk, and that whole time gaining weight, being unhealthy, doing all these other things, like no matter how many times I would have tried to speak to him, or my mom would have tried to speak to him, or whomever, or whatever. The only person who can make the decision is him. And the best thing, the only thing you can do is let them know that no matter what, you're there for them. You can't change what they eat. You can't force them to work out. All you can, because they know anyone who isn't, isn't keeping care, taking care of themselves health-wise, they know it. They're not stupid. They're aware. And if you think they're not insecure about it, no matter what they say, you're wrong. They are. It's it, the more you try and force them to do it, the more they're going to back off, the more they're going to dig their heels in and go the other way. And the one consistent thing I found is the best thing you can do is just let them know no matter what, you are there to support them, period, end of story, that's it. Um, and I, I'm lucky that my brother finally took that to heart and reached out and we've been able to develop a wonderful relationship for the first time in a decade. Some people, they won't make that change. And that's a super hard pill to swallow. I think that was the hardest pill for me to swallow as a coach, Never mind dealing with family, but there are going to be some clients that you just can't help. They, they reach out, they pay you, they commit to a program, and they don't do it. No matter how much they pay, no matter how many conversations you have, no matter, they just don't do it. It's sort of like, um, I mean, doctors struggle with this all the time. You have a patient come in with like, they're like, listen, you're on the verge of having diabetes or you're on the verge of, of getting lung cancer if you don't quit smoking. I'm like, all right, doc. And then they keep smoking or they keep eating foods they shouldn't be eating and quantities they shouldn't be eating. And then they develop diabetes or, and then they get lung cancer and they die. And doctors are just like, shit. Like they watch this person that it could have been avoided, but they kept doing it. And, and I think it's a very difficult pill to swallow to know that you won't be able to help everybody. Your responsibility is not to necessarily help them as much as it is to make sure they know you are there to help them if and when they decide to take you up on it. And as long as you keep making sure they know that you're increasing their chance of success. Definitely. And I mean, like, by no means do I ever think that it would be easy to talk about something like that. Like, but I do think that, uh, there's a lot of people in the industry that might be able to relate to that. Just people who have had similar like family dynamics, like 
people who have just felt absolutely just like devastated by the fact that maybe like someone is doing something that's completely opposite to their values and there's this close relationship and there's like nothing you can do because it has to be on them like it's on them to do the things that it takes to create change it's on them to do the behavior changes and what you kind of got me thinking about was in in combination with the fact that we shouldn't be so focused on our social media following like I actually did the math I was honestly if I worked with like 20 to 30 people with my remote coaching, I'd probably be pretty satisfied. Like I'd be comfortable. I'd be able to live a good life. So yeah, all I absolutely. need is like 30 followers on Instagram. I'm set. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's exactly it. And then like the, on the other side of the coin, like what I was getting at is that, um, you, you talked about how we can, we need to lose the, the want to be in control of what other people are going to do. And like, Honestly, you made me think about the value of just focusing on the one person that you're training. Like the fact that we can create change in one person, mm. it's a very underrated concept. Like we can change one person's life in this industry. Um, and then as we change two peoples and three peoples and four peoples, that's, that's something that we don't often stop and think about. Like just the fact that like we literally helped a person know exactly um, how many calories are in like Annie's craft dinner. Or we literally know, or we can, we can help somebody literally know how to like cook eggs in their breakfast in a way that uh, will help them match their, their protein goals kind of thing. Yep. And so like, hopefully for, for anybody that's newer in the industry listening to this, they, they get that takeaway, but like from everything that you've experienced in the last year, like this move, this focusing on yourself, setting stronger boundaries against social media, like just like focusing more on you. What are some things that you haven't talked about that you think a person would benefit from, from looking inward on for themselves? Oh man, a lot. Um, well, I'll start off by saying I, I, I started seeing a therapist I'm trying to remember when I think it was, I think it was during COVID maybe slightly before, before the pandemic started. Um, I think it was during COVID if I'm being honest, but started seeing a therapist and I, and I, when I moved to Dallas, I, I no longer uh, was seeing him anymore because, uh, there's a lot of laws with like how a, a, a therapist can practice, even though I was meeting with him via zoom, I was no longer in the state. So we had to stop. Um, but I was seeing him for prop for a, about a year and that was wonderful. Um, I know it's not. I, for some reason, when someone says, oh, I was seeing a therapist, there's like almost this like gut reaction that a lot of people have like, ooh, why would you say that? Why would you talk about that? Um, I was not mentally ill for or like suicidal or or even depressed, to be honest with you. Um, I think it was just, it was a really great opportunity for me to speak to someone without any without any filter right usually even now that i'm talking to you like i like to feel like i'm a pretty open guy that i'll just sort of say what's on my mind and i try and calm myself on my own shit i think i'm pretty good at that but even like there's always a filter there's always something like that is preventing you from fully expressing like fully and there was something really great about just once a week having an opportunity just to let it fly 
and just to say and just word vomit and just get it. And I think it was tough. It was hard because it's a habit, right? Having that filter up is a habit that you build. It's a, it's a habit to not fully express yourself. I think a lot of people would call it fear of judgment. I think I would more personally call it like fear of being canceled. Um, and I think that comes with, you know, having a larger audience and people, oh my God, you said that, all right, we're going to cancel you, whatever it is. Um, for some people, I think it's the fear of judgment. For me, I think it's the fear of being canceled and whatever it is. But having the ability just to speak to someone who's impartial, who like, it doesn't matter, just fucking let it out. That was big for me. And I think that was super helpful. Um, and it's been wonderful because even though I haven't continued with it for the last several months since I moved here, I don't feel like I need it right now. Uh, but the benefits I think have been lasting. And I also know if I ever do need it or I decide I want to pick it back up, like it's just a quick call, call to my, uh, my insurance company. Cool. I can find someone and maybe I'll have to go through several people and meet with several people to find before I find the person I like. But um, I do think it's worth discussing that because for whatever there is that even I notice it myself. If, if I see someone on social media say, hey, so I started doing therapy, I notice an and a gut reaction to myself from like, Ugh, right? Or it's like, I don't know what it is, but it's important that we talk about it more because hopefully the more we see it, the more, the, the less of that gut reaction we have and the more, the more normalized it becomes. Absolutely. And I mean, it's, it's ironic because I started seeing a counselor like probably a month ago. Uh, I've had like four sessions and it's always like virtual through video call or whatever. But uh, it's like you say, it's the ability to just completely unpack, like just unload, um, like name names if you have to in the session, like whatever you got to yeah. do. Um, and it is like I, I experience very similar fears, like if people are watching my every word, my every action. Um, and it's it is so valuable. I look at it from like a do you want to be successful or do you want to just be good enough? Like in order to be successful, you have to do really tough, like unpopular things. And you have to be working when, when it matters and when it doesn't kind of thing. Like you, you have to be working on yourself in, in the darkness of your own personal life. And you have to be working on yourself within the public of your career, like uh, sessions on the floor, episodes on your show, articles on your website, etc. But I'm glad that you shared that because um, I could relate to it. I think it uh, basically the more people that we have on the internet saying that they're doing a thing, the easier it gets for the person that just needs to hear somebody else did it. Whether it be someone that related to you or someone that related to me, um, we're just two bald white guys that are talking about our feelings. <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean, and not to get into too political, but I mean. I don't know how you felt over the last year, but I mean, I've had people come at me for being a, a white guy, never mind a bald white guy, right? Like I've had people be like, you're a Nazi. I'm like, I'm Jewish. What are you fucking talking about? Like, and, and they'll make judgments about me because I'm a white, a white male. And so, you know, it's funny, like to have two white males, two bald white males, right? In here talking about going to see their therapist. It's pretty cool. I, I think it's, a, it's a, an important conversation for people to hear and to be aware of, because I see a lot of, you know, I don't care what race someone is. I don't care what gender they are. I don't care about any of that. I think judging someone based on the color of their skin and their gender or things that are pure, things that people can't control, judging someone on that is a fucking mess. And I, I don't care. I don't care what you are, but I know for me personally, 
I've been attacked and had people make assumptions about me purely because I'm a white male. I'm like, fuck you. You know, it's like, let's talk about it. Let's talk about, you don't know I'm going to therapy. You don't know what I'm talking about in therapy. It's like, you just because I'm a white male, you're going to make certain presumptions about me. Like you've got to check yourself. So uh, I love that we're talking about this. I think it's super important because I think people might just look at us and think, oh, they're good. They're white guys. It's like, okay, hold on. Let's not, let's not make that presumption so quickly. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it just reframes the importance of like, some people delete their social media app during certain hours of the day. Some people will just block people relentlessly um, just to, to save their own sanity. Like the only people that are going to keep holes out of our boat are us, you and I individually. Mm-hmm. Like we need to keep ourselves afloat and keep ourselves safe and sane. Um, and so many people close to me in my life, um, just they can see when my mind is being just consumed by like a comment on Instagram mm-hmm. or like, a current event and so it's good to have people that can kind of check that in you but it's also good to have those those things like you talked about blood pressure um that can help you check yourself for me it's like i i can see it in the tone of my content or in what i choose to focus on like if i seem bitter when i'm writing stuff then i realize that i need to like get out of the industry get out of, like not not permanently but just momentarily yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. and just like Pet some dogs and smell the roses kind of thing. Absolutely. Get outside without some shoes on, walk in the grass for a little bit. Absolutely. So to keep us on to our timeline, there's something that I ask a lot of my guests as of late, and it's a challenge. And with everything we've talked about, I want the challenge to be a little bit unique, kind of keep them on their toes, but it's a challenge for the day. So when you're ready, you're just going to be like your challenge for the day is and just like put it out into the universe. So what, what's my challenge for the day? Yeah, you can challenge them to do anything that you deem oh. appropriate and just something that you think might make their day go better. So my challenge to everyone listening, uh, let's see, my challenge to everyone listening, let's do this. If you have social media and you, uh, if you use social media, I would say, Go on your social media, we'll call it Instagram, get on your Instagram and whether it's in a feed post or a story, I don't care, but tell a story about something that you're embarrassed about. Tell a story, it could be from your childhood, it could be from recently. I would say tell a story and start be like, listen, I was listening to a podcast and this random, you know, white, bald Jewish dude told me to tell a story about how, about something that I'm embarrassed that I've done. And, and I'm nervous to do this, but here we go. And I bet you're going to be shocked at how awesome and positive the responses are. And this is something that I'll often do if I'm embarrassed about something. I'll just, I'll just say it. I'll, I'll, I'll just tell the story. I'll talk about it because it's always nerve wracking to do it. It's always like a little bit embarrassing and nerve wracking. You know, oh my God, how are people going to react? But literally 100% of the time, the responses are never mind like supportive and encouraging, but they're just like, they laugh. They love it. Like all the things that we struggle with that maybe we're embarrassed about. Oh my God, I've done the same thing. And when you're embarrassed about something or insecure about something and you keep it inside, it's, it becomes a, a part of your identity that you feel like you need to hide and it can, you feel like you're trapped, but when you express it openly for everyone, 
it no longer becomes something you feel like you have to hide. It's something that you're, 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 it, it no longer traps you. It no longer uh, becomes a part of your identity. It's just another thing that you're more than happy to share. And I think the more you make this a habit and, and you complete this challenge, the more open you're going to be and the more you're going to realize that when you share this stuff, people are going to relate to it and they're going to like it rather than judge you negatively for it. Totally. I mean, that's something that I can attest to. It works. Like it's, I tend to be very open with my social media. So I really hope that people take that challenge seriously. Um, with that being said, I'd like to thank you so much for joining me back on the show. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me on.